Morning, Angle. Sergeant Angel. Morning, the swans escaped. The swans escaped? Yeah. Right, and where's the swan escape from exactly? Ah, uh, the castle. Oh yeah, and who might you be? Mr. Staker. Yeah, Mr. Peter Ian Staker. P.I. Staker. Yeah. Right, piss taker. Come on! Yes, Mr. Staker. Um, we'll do everything we can. Can you describe it to me? It's about uh, two foot tall, um, long, slender neck. Yeah. Kind of orange and black bill. Anything else? Wait, right. it's a swan. No luck catching them swans, then. Um, it's just the one swan, actually. What do you think from the shop? Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As always, I am Ross Bacon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you all know by now, we're a podcast that cracks open beer and talks about some movies. Now... We are in Valentine, February, and we are on week two, which uh, this is now a Mike choice. Uh, last week was technically my choice of Mel Brooks. This week is Mike's choice of Edgar Wright. And uh, we're going to get into the Cornetto trilogy and Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I fucking love the Cornetto trilogy so yeah. much. Uh, I, we didn't do it for a trilogy month. Because it's not really a traditional trilogy. It, it's not one movie following another. Like, they don't share the same story, technically speaking. Yeah. It's more of an anthology. Yeah. It's like but, all the same actors shifted around. <laughs> but God damn it, it's glorious. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. And uh, Yeah, so we'll get into that. But first, Mike, what are you drinking? I went with Red Tank again this week. Uh, and I am drinking Hoptology series, the science of hops, cashmere IPA, which I just feel like that would be a beer that they would drink in these movies. Okay. <laughs> like, like, I feel like this would, uh, this would just work perfectly if I went to the pub with Simon Pegg and like, there'd be a conversation about hoptology. What, like, right. what's the science of the beer going on here? <laughs> It's kind of like, I forget what the name of the beer is uh, that they all get forced to drink in uh, World's End. <laughs> mm. It's like the Crown Regal or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so it's an American IPA, 6.5%. Uh, it's it's a solid IPA. It's not really overbearing with the taste. Like when you get IPAs, sometimes you can get them a little, like there might be a little bit bitterness or an aftertaste that kind of reminds you of pine trees. You're, I'm not getting either of these with this nice um and the best part was i would go in and they're like oh it's on special you can either buy the four pack for 17 or you can get a 24 case for 30 like, <laughs> well might super bowl's well. tomorrow <laughs> right might as well <laughs> super bowl's tomorrow as of the recording not as of the release of this episode. right right yeah we were recording this uh, super bowl eve because mike and i figured we'd both be watching the super bowl when we normally record so yes we're, uh, we're doing that so congratulations to whatever team wins the super bowl <laughs> hopefully tampa. Come out afterwards <laughs> hoping for tampa <laughs> yeah i just want to see tom brady win and have everybody be like oh so maybe it was him and not bill belichick and you know <laughs> And Gronk, gotta have. I, I just, I just want to see Gronk. I love all the Gronk and Brady like bromance commercials coming out now. <laughs> yeah, and then there's just, just Gronk himself is a just a lunatic, and I love the Gronk, Gronk is just a meme. Like he's, 
Like, how does that, how does he exist? <laughs> He's just a crazy person. But uh, yeah, so I am drinking Shocker here, Ship Bottom Brewery again, but it's part of their road trip in collaboration like last week's was, only this time it's with um, Bond Place Brewing Company. Now, the reason I picked this one is because A, I love Ship Bottom, B, it's called Fudgy Wudgy Stout or Fudgy Wudgy Imperial Stout. Now that sounds like, you know, some sort of British dessert or whatever. Yeah. But it turns out that Bond Place Brewery is, they kind of specialize in English style beers. So that was a happy accident. <laughs> but uh, it's made with country kettle fudge and it's absolutely goddamn delicious. <laughs> we, again, we're both going back to like our favorite breweries. <laughs> yep. I'm going to try to do ship on them for all four if I can, because <laughs> like I said, we went down there and we got, you know, a bunch of beer. So I have a whole bunch of, uh, to choose from red tank and ship bottom sponsor us. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, uh, all right. Yeah. So yeah, this one's great. It's malt beverage brewed with fudge, caramel sauce, milk, sugar, sea salt, and vanilla beans. And it is delicious. It tastes like fudge. It, it's absolutely amazing as pretty much all of their beers are. I don't think I've had a bad one yet. But um, I know they have a sour that I haven't tried, but I'm sure it would be okay. That's what, so with breweries, I'm like, with Red Tank, I haven't had a bad beer. I've had beers where I'm like, I don't know if I'd buy a six pack of this. Right. But I've never had a beer where I'm like, oh no, I don't really like that. Even the stouts I, I'm like, okay with. I don't love stouts in general, but. Yeah. Yeah. This one, I've, I've had, a, I feel like I've had a lot recently during these winter episodes that we've been doing, but um. I do this, quite, I'm starting to, they're growing on me. This is one of the best IPAs I've had. Like, this is an IPA that I feel like I could put down some cans and I probably will have to because we don't have that much fridge space. <laughs> <laughs> For the good of the fridge. Yeah, but mine's uh, 10%, so we'll see how many of those I get through. <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing this on a Saturday night, so I can feel free to do as I please. <laughs> right, but there is an impending snowstorm that's supposed to happen tomorrow, so I got to shovel at some point, and shoveling snow hungover is no good. Yeah, but, no. Um, so why don't we get started on talking about Edgar Wright. Now, people may not know the man uh, by his name, but you definitely know Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh, Baby Driver. He was originally uh, design, uh, designated to do Ant-Man until... I wish we got that version of... Like, I enjoy Ant-Man, but yeah. just the Edgar Wright's touch to it would have probably made... Like, I feel like there would have been arguments on if it was the best movie in the MCU if Edgar Wright directed it. It definitely would have been the most creatively adventurous, like before yeah. Thor Ragnarok. You know, Thor Ragnarok's definitely got its own style and feel to it. Mm -hmm. But, like, and like Guardians... The first Guardians kind of had that, but then it kind of shifted into, you know, stock MCU for the second one. And there isn't really one that I would think of other than, you know, first Iron Man, first Avengers, where you're like, yeah, this is like a specific style of movie. You know? uh, maybe Cap 2 with the... Uh... Yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah, definitely. But it's it's definitely more of a spy thriller MCU movie. Whereas, like, if Edgar Wright did Ant-Man, it would have been like Edgar Wright's Ant-Man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that might have been an issue going forward because it would have been a discussion on how Ant-Man fit in with the rest of the MCU after, like, Psycho Waititi's Thor kind of changed Thor to fit better with the MCU. Yeah. Where if, like, Edgar Wright just has such a unique approach to things that maybe Ant-Man wouldn't have blended as well in the joint movies. 
Yeah, and I think it would have been great if they could somehow work in like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost as well. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, it's like, uh, in there. If, if I'm a big fan of the boys on Amazon Prime and Simon Pegg plays one of the only not comedic characters in that. He does. I guess I have. I stopped watching that show. I don't know. I just got bored with it. So I guess I. I guess I missed him. Oh wait, no. no. He's in. He's in episode one. That's right. He's uh, what's his name's dad, right? Yeah. That's right. I was. He was just. I guess you know. I guess I wasn't paying much attention to him. Well, the reason they included him in that is because the main character of the boys was literally written to be Simon Pegg. Oh, that's. And right. if the show, yeah. if the show came out earlier, Simon Pegg would have been cast as him. Right. But uh, yeah, it's. And with Edgar Wright, he's always like Corn- the Cornetto trilogy is you know Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World, uh, The World's End. Now they're all written by Edgar Wright and the boys and Simon Pegg mostly. I think Nick Frost might have a written credit on one of them. Yeah, but uh, then of course there's Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which is based off of a comic book which I have not seen. <laughs> I <I've not> read. <laughs> So I never read the comic book. I played the video game. The video game is pretty fun. It, it's a fun sort of homage to older games like the uh, Double Drag, what Double Dragon, and uh, like the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like that style arcade game where you move forward, fight a bunch of enemies, move to the next zone, fight a bunch. The side scroller, yeah. It's 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 a fun little homage to those games. It's a pretty pretty well made game. Nice, yeah, like. This was my first time, like for Scott Pilgrim, it's 2010. Um, it's the fr- it was it's in between Hot Fuzz and The World's End for uh, for Edgar. And, so, uh, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Uh, my thing with this movie is it didn't get that much recognition when it came out, and it sort of developed a cult following. And I think if this movie came out seven years later, it would be huge like i feel like it would have gone a much bigger following than it did it was like kind of ahead of its time and the oh, way yeah. i saw it it's I, I the thing is though i think you definitely have to change the story if it was in 2017 because the whole gag of the beginning of the movie is that scott pilgrim is dating a minor yeah. You know, he's 22 years old dating a 17 year old named knives <laughs> and uh for some reason that was like a thing in that era of comedy like uh i think cinema since pointed this out uh that tr- uh what was it pineapple express seth rogan is dating a high schooler played by amber heard in pineapple express Okay, and I th- they pointed out a couple other examples of comedies at this time using that huh. as a plot device. Yeah, I never, I never realized that. Yeah, that's weird. But uh, yeah, that's that's odd. <laughs> now that is the thing with uh, as we'll just get into uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World is Scott Pilgrim is not a likable protagonist. <laughs> no, he sucks, and especially with Michael Sarah playing him. But no, I love Michael Sarah for this role. <laughs> I'm not. I'm a fan for some reason. I'm not that big a fan of Michael Sarah, you know, for obvious reasons. I don't like his whole. I just don't like his general demeanor in all of his movies, where he's like, where he's like the mumbly, you know, little asshole, basically. But I think he's funny in This Is the End because he plays himself. Yeah, he's like a creep. <laughs> now, some of the stories. Who the fuck- 
took my cell phone. Right. Then there's then there's some of the stories you hear about like real life Michael Sarah and how much of a dickhead he can be. And it's like he's one he's definitely one of those, you know who I am, celebrities. And it's like, oh come on, man, you know? I, I enjoy really his character. Like characters. <laughs> I think he works well as Scott though, because like those Scott's your protagonist throughout the whole movie, you're like, ah, this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, he and that that is kind of the point that he does suck, but um and you know, but I do love, <laughs> I do love the running gag of Kieran Culkin, his gay roommate, like constantly kicking him out of bed, or like yeah. not even kicking him out of bed, just like having sex like next to him <laughs> in that one I, bed that they all share. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the movie is Knives knocks on the door, and his his roommate's like just talking to her. And he's like, he just left as he jumps out the window. <laughs> he goes running off to the side. He jumps out the window, but then he leans back in and grabs his jacket real fast. <laughs> that was funny. That got me to laugh really good. Then there was the other one was um when uh I think it's uh who is it? It's um I think it's um Ramona Flowers. She's the one that says she says something or is told that um uh Allison Pill's character, the drummer in the band. That they used to date. She and Scott used to date, and Scott's like, "Oh yeah, like we, she, she's fine." Then they show her, and she's like, like got this evil glare on him. It's just that that had me rolling. <laughs> There's a lot I like about this movie. Um, the music in it is incredible. I think the music's amazing in it, and that's a big Edgar Wright thing. Like you know, having great music in all of his movies. Um, I feel like they could have done more with Aubrey Plaza as the movie went on. Like, they just sort of had her drop, say, fuck a lot. Like, in the beginning, she was... Well, have it censored, saying it, you know, yeah. that was part of the gag. <laughs> but in the beginning, like, I, she was throwing back witty remarks, and then as the movie went on, they just sort of was like, okay, she's saying the F word. Yeah, it's and that became her gag, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've also, I don't know, I probably said on here, I'm not that big of an Aubrey Plaza fan. Just because I like I, Aubrey Plaza. I think she's one of those actors and, like, that literally plays the same role all the time there's there's no different the only reason why this one's a little different is because she actually like yells a little bit mm-hmm. other than other than that all her characters are very like monotone deadpan like very you know dry and kind of bitchy sarcastic in a way <laughs> and i love anna kendrick i'm i'm she's a big great. i'm a big anna kendrick fan especially in this movie she's this hilarious was, in this this was coming like in the middle of the twilight series too and I'm like, yeah. oh, good for you, Anna Kendrick. You uh, you got into some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you jumped away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think this was, I mean, a little bit later is when she does Up in the Air, right? With yeah. um, Clooney. And I think that's what really like shot her forward as being a, you know, a bankable star. Yeah, but this whole movie is just so un- like, unique. Nine, it has so many quirks to it. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, the whole, um, conceit of it that scott wants to date ramona uh flowers and mary elizabeth winstead's character but he has to fight her seven evil exes you know and it's like the league of evil exes and some of these ex-boyfriends are great especially chris um, evans chris evans (laughs) captain america he's got this like wolverine look to him in it too he's got the like trim strap beard with like accentuated eyebrows he like he looks kind of like wolverine but he's like he's like a dickhead tony uh, hawk like actor type (laughs) and then he's almost he's kind of like bam margera and his prime bam margera (laughs) i can see that yeah 
Yeah, if Bam became like an action star, you know. Now you have Jason Schwartzman playing the only character that I can see Jason Schwartzman playing being a manipulative kind of douchey with a little bit of humor thrown in. It's the same role he plays in Slackers. It's the same role he plays in a lot of stuff, you know. He's another one that's very one note with a lot of the things he does. But you brought him up. I think my favorite side character in this is uh, uh, Kieran Culkin as Wallace. He's so Every, good. He's so funny. <laughs> he's absolutely great. Yeah. Especially when like, cause he's like, everyone's kind of like weird at first when like the random fights start to happen and like, they're like framed like video game fights and all yeah. that. Well, he just like yells, fight him. <laughs> you know, he's like in for it, like right away. Like he knows yeah. what's happening. <laughs> That's the first. So the first evil X was, um, it was, I, the Indian I guy, something Patel. Amish or Amish or something. I don't know. It's yeah. I just know. I just remember him as the Indian guy. And Matthew Patel. That's it. Matthew Patel. That's he's, racist, Ross. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. The actor's name is something like that. I think. But, uh, Satya. Baba. Well, either way, it is. Yeah, it is kind of racist to me because he's literally every Indian guy I've ever seen. Um, like he blends in with you know what's his name from Big Bang Theory, and uh, I think. Kumail Nanjani is the only one I actually know their name, <laughs> you know. And then like whatever, uh, whoever plays Flash in the and isn't he Pakistani, not Indian? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think he is. Uh, well, but anyway, I, Matthew Patel comes in and he's like, "Didn't you get my email? I I skimmed it. <laughs> skimmed it. Yeah, thinks it's a junk email, but it's really just a threat." <laughs> and I, they start dancing and he throws a fireball and you just see the other bandit turn to skeletons and you're like is no one going to bring this up <laughs> no one seems to care yeah everyone in this universe just kind of that's one of the craziest things about like the best things about like edgar wright like he his universes happen in such they at first they're very grounded and then they just get crazy you know and this whole movie is basically a video game and it starts off fairly normal <laughs> Ooh, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's that's a i don't know a lot of so yeah the the movie's shot in pivotal moments to be shot like a video game yeah yeah there's and, even like the even like the bad guys like just like exploding the coins and shit yeah i love that how who did uh trying to think of the evil axes that scott actually beat because Chris Evans, he convinced to grind down this really long rail and he went too fast. And Yeah. Um, um, Todd got sh- shot by the... Uh, the vegan police. The vegan police. And you get one of the most glorious yet cheesy lines ever. You were a vegan and now you will be gone. <laughs> but who delivers that line? Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah, but who's the, who are the vegan police? Oh, Thomas Jane is one of them. <laughs> that had me rolling. I was like, hey, Thomas Jane, what the hell? <laughs> What's he doing here? And then um, there's, oh, fuck, who did, there's somebody else who's like a little bit of the lesser one. But, um, well, then there's uh, Roxy Richter, the character who's played by Mae Whitman. It's uh, her from Arrested Development. Her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, then there's- You also get uh, Brie Larson in here as- <laughs> Brie Larson uh, is Scott's ex. Yeah, but oh, the other vegan place is Clifton Collins Jr. Now, you will you probably don't know the name, but you'll recognize Clifton Collins Jr.'s face if you if you Google him. He's kind of in a lot. He's in a lot of stuff. 
but uh yeah it's and it all ends up being um uh what's his name schwartzman is like the the puppet or like the puppet master of all of these things and he's he's kind of orchestrated everything but yeah i think though it's only like the first two that scott actually defeats by himself because the twins one is like the whole band does yeah but um you know uh and like ones where scott actually delivers the finishing blow because he beats x1 he I, he does beat uh, Matthew Patel. Right. He may, he gets X2 to grind down a rail and he ends up beating himself. X3, right. he delivers the finishing blow, but the vegan police are the ones that do it. Right. Uh, X4, which is the reason it's the evil exes and not ex-boyfriends. <laughs> right. Because that's um, May Whitman, yeah. Uh, basically, Ramona uses Scott as like to fight her <laughs> yeah she literally like moves his arms and legs because yeah. he's like i don't feel comfortable hitting a girl <laughs> and they make her orgasm to death <laughs> right yeah behind the knee apparently is her like ultra orgasm spot <laughs> uh five and six it's the whole band going against the twins right and right. then it's like scott knives and then eventually ramona joins in for uh gideon yeah it's yeah it's the whole there's like, it's like the big and, boss battle yeah and then i love this that the whole joke that scott has to fight nega scott right. like, <laughs> but they become like best friends yeah. like, they just talk to each other <laughs> well that's the ultimate thing where it's like i'm or, i'm the nega version of you but i'm not really that good and i'm not really that bad so like are we the same person <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> Like visually, obviously, with all the touches and everything, and it's got a lot of the, like a lot of the gags are all like visual gags, which is, Edgar Wright is really good at. Yeah, he does even better in the Cornello Cornetto trilogy. But a lot of people, like one of his signature things, you could call it like a director signature because, like Mel Gibson had, I mean not Mel Gibson, Mel Brooks has his um like breaking the fourth wall thing, like looking straight through the camera, <laughs> and with Edgar Wright, his there's a lot of like funny one shot random like weird faces that people make that he likes to focus on and yeah. sean uh, simon Pegg is the one that does those the best <laughs> but like i said like allison pill has a great one there's some great ones um from mary elizabeth winstead when she's kind of like put on the spot as like what the hell is going on here she's got a good one kieran culkin's got some great faces that he makes especially when he's hitting on the um anna kendrick's boyfriend quote unquote <laughs> i love the, the whole concept that he constantly steals anna kendrick's boyfriends right yeah his, <laughs> his sister's boyfriend yeah and That's... like the day of the thing like he'll he'll like somehow let her know the gossip with like no one even sees him do it like when he passes out cold in the bed but then like you look and his phone stuck in his hand <laughs> That's I wish they gave Anna Kendrick a bit more to do because she's sort of just sprinkled in throughout this movie. I did I laughed pretty hard at when um uh when Scott goes to talk to her in person and she's like, No, but I'm about to leave the coffee shop, whatever. He's like, Oh, I'm outside right now. And she like walks in and he walks in and like always sees Aubrey Plaza, and then he she turns and Kendrick's outside, like all dressed up. She's like, Oh, but I gotta go. And she just runs away. <laughs> That, the whole coffee shop scene because then Brie, Brie Larson's there at that point too yeah and this is kind of where the movie lost me because I am not a fan of Brie Larson I don't like her as like a human being just because like 
she was given Captain Marvel and you're put in the MCU. Everyone in the MCU, except for Terrence Howard, has been cool, great, loves being part of it. They love talking about it and all that. She, you had to hold a fucking gun to her head to talk about her movies and like actually seem like she was enjoying herself. <laughs> you know? That's, so I saw her in this and I didn't even really know her that well when I first saw this. So I didn't have that kind of react. Like now looking at the character, I'm like, oh God, what happened to you? <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's like, then there's, you know, she was good in twenty four in twenty one Jump Street. She was she was good in that. Yeah. But um, but everything else, I think once she got her Oscar, it was like, I'm too good for everything. You know, she kind of, she kind of pulled that business. Which, you know, if it ends her career, I'm fine with that because I'd rather not see her and shit anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's. I always forget that. I forgot that she played. Uh... That she played Jonah Hill's love interest in Twenty One Jump yeah. Street. Yeah, yeah, it's her best bit in that is when she like takes the um the Wi-Fi or whatever it is the drug, and she kind of like they go through her little stages of the drug, and she's pretty funny in that. But yeah, it's her whole just general demeanor. But she's I'll give her credit in this, she's pretty good as who she's supposed to be like the terrible and, ex-girlfriend and i read into the ex a bit and she's supposed to be kind of like a vindictive jealous her name is envy yeah. that's her name and right. that is what she is supposed to represent envy and she plays it really well in this <laughs> yeah what's their what's her band's name the clash at demon head yeah. or something like that Yo, their song in this is awesome, too. Their song is pretty good. I did enjoy that with uh, Brandon Ruth as the bass player and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love him, too. He's funny. Obviously, we mentioned before as as Todd the Vegan. But Mm -hmm. um, he's got superpowers from being vegan. (laughs) But it turns out that he had three uh, times where he broke his veganness. And that's three strikes and you're out. (laughs) this movie is just so kind of bizarre that edgar wright is the only director that i think could have done it justice yeah it's i'm trying to think of somebody else like it would be a weirder movie but like if you got somebody like ang lee you know who did that shitty hulk movie with eric banna like that had a very interesting style to it but But there's a reason that this is one of the only well-regarded video game movies that I can think of. Right, because I think a lot of people technically consider it a comic book adaptation. Yeah. Because it's it's basically, it's set up like a video game, but it's based off a comic book, you know? So that's the loophole. So, so, so the comic book and video game both came out before the movie. Yeah. But, but, uh, I still love the, the Matthew Patel. He comes out, he's like, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of like, yeah, all the exes have like this weird, these very weird, like specific personalities. And his is very like Bollywood at one point. It's kind of weird. Like, is, is he, isn't he the one with the um, like the ghost goth girls or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> it's like, I feel like each evil ex is getting their own movie to a degree. Yeah. Like their, their, their own, own mini segment. movie. Yeah. It's and it's because it's like it's like a boss fight in a video game. Like you know, a good video game is gonna have all the bosses be different. You know, 
Now, one of the things, one of the scenes I love is before the first evil ex and Matthew Patel comes in, they're at like a battle of the bands and <laughs> the drummer is so mad because the band before them has a girl drummer. <laughs> and then they show the girl drummer when uh, Scott Pilgrim and his band are performing and they show her and clearly the other girl drummer is really mad that their band has a girl drummer. <laughs> right. It is like it is a nice little touch. That that's my favorite single face in this movie. It's just the girl, the other girl standing off to the side with a right. huge scowl on her face. Yeah. yeah, and the um I do like I also like the running gag of the groupie. What's his name? Neil or whatever. Young Neil. Young Neil. Well, like which he... is a play off of Neil Young because there's right. there's references to Neil Young, the band Neil Young was in. I forget what band it is, but Crosby, Stills and Nash. Yes. Yeah, but um, Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young, I guess. I yeah. also love the, one of my favorite lines in this movie is Knives asked Young Neil what he plays. He's like, oh, uh, Zelda, Tetris. <laughs> right there, yeah, that was a good answer. <laughs> it's kind of like that, you know, like that British wordplay. You know, it's like, you know, it's that unexpected uh, answer that's the better gag, you know. But um, kind of like in Shaun of the Dead, one of my favorite lines is, kill the queen. What? The jukebox. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, I mean, there's not much else. I mean, really, the thing with Sean Pil- uh, Scott Pilgrim is you really got to see it. Like, yeah. we can't really describe it, like, well enough. Like, the, the weirdest thing is, though, is um, there's two things here. For one, there's that weird little Seinfeld bit that they do. Like where Scott comes home from the date and it's like the Seinfeld bass riff plays and then there's like yeah. a little laugh track and he's like, quick changes out of the bathroom is really odd but then chris evans his character has a line in this movie to scott pilgrim played by obviously michael Sarah, and he says you think you stand a chance against against an a-lister bro and i was like oh that's funny (laughs) (laughs) i also love i mean he's He's kind of doing his Chris Evans is doing his best Wolverine impression. It's kind of like Jake from uh, Not Another Teen Movie, but yeah. as like Wolverine. <laughs> you know? It's like he's doing his comedic. Uh, so m- most people know Chris Evans just as like Captain America, right. almost like for the start of the MCU run, cookie cutter, good guy, uh, described a lot of times as like a, uh, like a, boy scout on steroids at least in the initial part and then his character gets more complex after civil war after cap 2 and civil war and stuff but people see kiss chris evans and they're like oh he's a good guy and this is like this is more similar to like johnny blaze chris evans where he's like oh he's a dick he's an (laughs) asshole yeah he's that's the thing, like for all from everything I've ever seen about Chris Evans, he is like a really good dude. Like he he's supposed to be a really, really nice guy. Yeah, if it wasn't for John Cena, like endlessly visiting like kids and like their make-a-wish program and all that, like doing all that, like the dude's got like some 700 visits or something, some insane number. Like Chris Evans is also one of the guys that'll be like the first one to be like, hey you need me to dress up as Captain America and say hi to some kid? Like, Same I'll absolutely jo- do it, you know? <laughs> Same with Johnny Depp. Uh, fuck Amber Heard for the whole... Yeah, Johnny, mean, apparently every time Johnny Depp travels, he has his, uh, he brings his Captain Jack Sparrow outfit with him so he could go visit kids in the hospital. 
Yeah, and it's weird because, like, you know, obviously everything with him and Amber Heard and, you know, all the weird, just that, that aside, like, all the weird stuff he does, like, he's kind of like a weird kind of quiet dude to begin with. But to just see that, like, he does that, it's like, oh, this dude's not that weird. <laughs> you know, he's got, he's a normal person. It might be weird, but, like, he's a nice guy. <laughs> right, he does it, like, you know, he uses his weirdness for good, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, but, but uh, you know, this is, I with Chris Evans, uh, Knives Out gets shows him in his best villainous role, I would say. Yeah, he is good. Although I will always defend his line uh, in Snowpiercer where he says, and I hate how I know that babies taste the best. <laughs> you, know? you know I'm a huge Snowpiercer fan, and that may or may not come up later in this episode. <laughs> and I just wouldn't consider him an outright villain in that movie. It's more of a grittier anti-hero hero. Oh, I know. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I'm not saying he's a villain. I just love how he's like crying when he says that particular line. Yeah. It's like, that's just ridiculous, dude. Come on now. <laughs> I, I I get the situation you're in. I kind of understand. I almost assume that you'd be eating babies, you know? <laughs> like, I didn't expect you to be eating steak and be like, oh, shit, I guess I got to eat a baby today. You know? Like, that was like, baby was like an entree. Mm-hmm. But, so, I guess that's probably enough about Scott Pilgrim, probably. Yeah, I'd say so. So. I wish Simon Pegg showed up at some point. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, or like Nick Frost or even like. Imagine the, the vegan police were just the hot fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good like the detectives from hot Fuzz. that would be awesome like rafe spall and uh, the other dude but uh all right so how's your beer i'm really enjoying this i'm already on my second one i gotta down these things i gotta do it for the fridge that's right you gotta do it for the good of the fridge and i i don't think i've ever had a more easily drank ipa like I feel like IPAs are usually something that you like sip on and you don't drink that many of them. Yeah. This is sitting in my stomach easy. It's not, it doesn't really have a super bitter taste, like the super hoppy taste that people who aren't like big beer drinkers complain about sometimes. And it doesn't really have an aftertaste, which is a good thing for me in beer. I, I mean, some beers aftertaste I like, but more often than not, I don't like a beer's aftertaste. So the fact that this doesn't have one is a net win. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, my fudgy wudgy style, Imperial style, is uh, by Chef Bottoms really good. But uh, yeah, I'm almost <laughs> done my first one. I'll probably have a second, even though they're 10%. Fuck, I kind of want to bring up that a fan said, <laughs> I sent you this, a fan in our DM said that me and Ross sound like Chris Griffin and Carl and Family Guy talking about movies. Right. I thought that was hilarious. That is funny. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. When you said that clip to me, I was like, yep, I can see it. <laughs> I can see it. Have you seen Krull? Yeah, you don't need to see Krull. <laughs> but bro, because Rolf Ross also has his bit where he brings up a girl in a movie or something, yep. and Carl always does that. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know the timestamps of when they get naked. You know, it's. <laughs> but yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm, if anything, I'm definitely the creep. I I admit that people know it. It happens. Someone's got to be. So. That said, why don't we move on to the Cornetto Trilogy by Edgar Wright, which is uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Now, I think, I'm just going to say right off the bat, I, I'm absolutely puzzled as to why The World's End, like, no one ever mentions. I don't know. 
ever. Like no one ever mentioned it. And it, it. seemed to get kind of panned by general audiences when it first came out. Right, but the overall critical consensus is that it's pretty good, you know? And yeah, that's something that's all of these movies are they're all critically acclaimed in turn. And the first two, absolutely so. You know, uh, <laughs> The World's it, End is good. I thought it was good, but it's definitely not the strongest. Yeah, no, The World's End is the weakest of the three. Yeah. I after rewatching, I'm a little bit torn if I like Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz better. I'm still a big fan of Shaun of the Dead. I still like that one better. They're but, they're both way up. Like I love both are. of them. They're but, really good. Yeah. So I think Shaun of the Dead's funnier, but Hot Fuzz Edgar Wright really got to like flex his directing chops. Like I think he really tried to challenge himself with like his cuts in this movie, and he does a great job. Yeah, and it's also good for like Simon Pegg because he's not he's very much a very serious like straight man character mm-hmm. like his character Nicholas Angel is supposed to be this like all business cop all the time and it's he's he's really good at it and that's now, I think I will, that's like good yeah I'll say I so I like Simon Pegg better in Shaun of the Dead but I kind of like Nick Frost better in Hot Fuzz I think so I would agree with that and that's what makes the world's end so weird because um, Simon Pegg's character is so Gary King is so unlikable, you know, he's yeah. so, but that's his character. Like that's what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a dick. He's supposed to be this guy that never grew up out of high school, like never really moved past the high school days. And all of his friends absolutely did. But Nick Frost is very much, the serious straight man in that and i don't know if he's that good at it (laughs) yeah the world's end is definitely so it it was probably the most ambitious of the three oh absolutely and it also has the weirdest concept of the three well that's and that's the thing with all three of these Shaun of the dead is obviously a zombie uh movie pastiche parody satire whatever hot fuzz is a cop action movie satire and all that and uh with a little bit of um kind of like a little bit of uh i'm not gonna say twilight zone but um it's like a little bit of uh not quite a mystery but it's a um it's a weird like whodunit of sorts so it's kind of got that cop angle to it but the world's end is a straight up body snatchers movie (laughs) it's it's almost like i feel like if you saw the watch yes it's basically like, oh, you want to watch The Watch, but, like, good? <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. That's, that's, that's probably exactly right, you know? But um, um, So I just looked at all three movies on Ron Tomatoes. So uh, Shaun of the Dead is the only one with a higher audience score than a critic score. I can see that. But it has the highest in both. Yeah. So it has 92% critics, 93% audience. Right. Uh, Hot Fuzz has 91% critics, 89% audience. Still pretty close. Yeah. And then The World's End has 89% critics, 71% audience. I can see that. Yeah, it's like, I I have all three. I have like the three-pack Blu-ray, like trilogy pack. Mm-hmm. But like, I remember we saw that in the theaters in 2013. And I don't remember anybody else talking about it, like ever. You know, it just kind of came and went. It's I feel like that body, like I just feel like people 
like cop movies and zombie movies people kind of love right now body snatcher movies i don't think have been in style for a very long time if if ever you know it's it's like stepford wives and you know what's the one with the uh wait what was that and obviously stepford wives and obviously invasion of the body snatchers you know (laughs) but um but um so with and then metacritic score Shaun of the dead has 76 hot fuzz has 81 and the world's end has 81 yeah it's i don't know it's yeah the world's end is very much i think i i want to attribute it to the fact that everyone saw that pirates of the caribbean at world's end hated it and was like oh no no uh -uh. (laughs) we're not doing this (laughs) the world's end is so i definitely think it's the least good i it's still a good movie yeah it is the weakest yeah and i it's the one i have the least to say about just because like i feel like it's a bunch of weird choices that just the directing looks awesome in it that is what i will say all the cuts work everything like that that was the best directed movie in terms of actually putting the movie together maybe not character directing or actor directing but actually putting the movie together that like you could tell that uh, Edgar Wright that was like his I want to push my directing skills I want to push my cuts I want to push my editing and it shows because the movie just goes together seamlessly yeah it, it definitely has because all three of these movies have that style the same style and it's very much attributed to Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost because Wright's directing is spot on like everywhere and he really does like you said have this one pretty down but i think that might also come as a result of him doing scott pilgrim before it yeah you know so he probably was more confident that he could what he could do and so that's what he went with so like in terms of editing and like that type of directing not necessarily character directing i would say he improves with every movie in this trilogy oh yeah absolutely and then, like, because Shaun of the Dead was, like, that's his first feature, I think, directly. Yes, I think it is, yeah. And you can tell that it, it's definitely the least ambitious in a directing type. But I think he gets the best performances in that movie. Besides Nick Frost, who I think was slightly better in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I could see that. But, um, yeah, no, I'm looking at his credits now. He did... Um... A few episodes that I chose spaced with Simon Pegg. He did a bunch of TV stuff. Um, looks like but I think this was some, his feature film debut. Was. It's 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 his big feature film debut. He's got a little one at the very beginning called A Fistful of Fingers. Whatever. Oh yeah, is. yeah. But um, yeah, he's he's it was all TV until Shaun of the Dead, and then after that, there's a little bit of little bit of stuff like featured off Shaun of the Dead, and then Hot Fuzz. The trailer, fake trailer and Grindhouse for Dolt. <laughs> you know, he's got that. Then Scott Pilgrim, World's End, uh, Baby Driver. There's a big gap between World's End and Baby Driver. It's four years. Yeah, it seems like he, he only takes the directing things that he wants to do. To do. Yeah, because now he's got the newest thing he's going to have is coming out this year. Maybe it already came out. It's uh, The Sparks Brothers. It looks like it might actually be a documentary. The movie that I texted you about, the Nicolas Cage movie, 
Imagine he directed <laughs> that, where it's like Nicolas Cage with a bomb on his junk fighting samurai. <laughs> yeah, good old Nick Cage. Can't wait. I can't wait to see that. It, I, I hope it's the greatest movie ever made because it will be. It has no other option. But um, yeah, it's... Then, of course, with all three of these movies, there's obviously the Cornetto ice cream is what the Cornetto trilogy is named after. The Each one is a different color. Like, Shaun of the Dead is red, Hot Fuzz is blue, and World's End is the green flavor, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But um, then, of course, there's the cast, which I don't think you can get a better roundup of British actors in these movies. I mean, the only person they're really missing is Michael Caine. I think, I think Hot Fuzz probably gets the best cast. Right, they they do it does they do have them lined up the best. I would say absolutely. Yeah, that's what. So I'm so torn about Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead because I think overall Shaun of the Dead probably makes me laugh more, and I think it's more like I think Edgar Wright or Simon Pegg gets to shine more in that. But oh, Hot absolutely. Fuzz, I think Edgar Wright gets to shine more. I think Nick Frost gets to shine more, and I think the supporting cast is a bit better. Yeah, but and like I said, like all the supporting cast is essentially the same for all these movies. Mm-hmm. But like Hot Fuzz, like lines them up the best, I think. And yeah, because you get Bilbo Baggins in both of them, and he shows up for one scene in uh, in Shaun of the Dead. He's a cameo in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, he plays um uh what's his name? Is it not Dylan Baker? It's um um it's the girl's boyfriend that's basically leading the same mission yeah. but successful. Yvonne. <laughs> Yvonne's one of my favorite characters just because I love when she goes, good luck. <laughs> I don't know why I love that so much. <laughs> good luck. Now, my one thing with Shaun of the Dead is I find the character of David scathing, which you're supposed to find him scathing. And that's who Martin Freeman's uh, opposite is. And Dylan Moran is the actor I was thinking of. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's supposed, because the way they all pass each other. And what's his name? Um he's we talked about matt something i can't i'm pouring a second beer right now so i can't look it up but he was in that um uh we talked about him recently he was in with um uh what's the idiot australian actress's name rain uh, rebel wilson we were talking about a movie with them in it he's like her sister he's her brother or some shit oh was it bridesmaids that's it bridesmaids but he makes a quick wordless cameo because he's supposed to be ed's opposite in the yeah. other group but um, yeah, I mean, Matthew Lucas, I think might be his name, but it's like as the less out of that guy, the better. But um, my, I think my favorite actor out of all these movies, obviously, and I, I was Shaun of the Dead, I should say, is Peter Sarafinowitz. I fucking yes. love that guy. That dude's so awesome. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> He's so great in everything. And we get to connect to Guardians in the MCU again because he dies in Guardians. <laughs> Right, but he is also the um, the sommelier in John Wick and John yeah. Wick too. <laughs> but uh, right. he's and he also did he did a he did a voice on Archer. He's done he's done a couple different things. But yeah, I just I love him. He's so good, especially as <laughs> Pete. <laughs> now, with uh, with Shaun of the Dead, I freaking so Shaun of the Dead is. Zombieland done better, essentially. Right. It's obviously they do the name. It's it's very much a play on the the George Romero zombie movies. The yeah. Movies, yeah. Which like so, Zombieland is like the um, almost an American like 
they're both spoofs on zombie movies. They're both supposed to be sort of horror comedy. And, but just Shaun of the Dead, like the Britishness to it makes it so much better. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's and such I a actually British really movie. enjoy Zombieland. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. I definitely, I haven't seen the sequel. I have. It's okay. It's okay. And then, uh, yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the best things I love about the Cornetto trilogy. Like all of them, they're so delightfully British. You know? That's like, they're so like, from the language in it to, it's just so unapologetically British and I love it. Yeah. And it's the, the British humor is my favorite. I, that, I absolutely love that. It's that's, so I don't particularly like the American office, but I, there was a time when Adult Swim was showing the British office and uh, that got me to chuckle a bit yeah i'm not i'm not a ricky gervais fan so like i I tried that too i was like maybe i hate the american one maybe i'll like the british one like ricky gervais is on screen for a couple minutes and i was like whoop i can't do this <laughs> you know so i checked out but um i think one of the craziest things is when you watch Shaun of the dead is from 2004 young fat rafe spall yeah, he's he's the teenager that uh, works for Sean and says you got red on you, and just the way he talks, you, he's like this idiot, but he's got that like British like wit to him, and it's like oh, it's like this guy's great, but then like you see him in Hot Fuzz and he's thin, he's lost a bunch of weight, he's grown up a little bit, you know, he's kind of like a good looking hunk now, you know. <laughs> God, I swear, if I have a son, I'm gonna name him Wraith. I love that name. <laughs> a great name but you got to spell it like he does because his is i think r-a-f-e yeah. as opposed to ray finds which is just ralph finds yeah <laughs> but um yeah this whole cast like sean the dead is fucking stacked like simon Pegg, nick frost lucy davis who shows up in wonder woman later you know then there's dylan moran peter serafinowicz rafe spall bill nye and then obviously and the, the cameos martin Freeman, and not Matthew bill Ray, bill nye this it's not bill nye the science guy <laughs> it's bill nye yeah it's but, but uh, um and then you Sean's may recognize him as davy jones in right. pirates of the caribbean <laughs> right and then there's uh like sean's mom i think is somebody too i think she might be like a british actress that i don't know but then of course there's who the girl who plays liz which I haven't seen in anything since. You know, I think she's done a bunch of shit, but I just haven't seen her in anything. She might have just gone back to like doing Kate, British stuff. Kate Ashfield, like her four most well-known movies. This is the most recent. Shaun yeah. of the Dead's the most recent. Yeah, I think she did. I think I looked at her up, and she did like a bunch of TV or something like mm. that. But um, yeah, it's and there's also of course you know we mentioned the editing with Edgar Wright and like his cuts. There's in this there's the big um, broadcast edit where every time yeah. Sean changes the channel, it's the next word in the sentence of the zombie epidemic or yeah. the Zed word epidemic that's going on out there. They, now I do ever... love that they don't use the Zed word, but at the end they call him the mobile deceased. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I that's the best words for zombies I've ever. Heard. The mobile don't call them that. <laughs> Not the said word. <laughs> Don't use that word with my mom. <laughs> that and the other thing with this is like, while it's absolutely supposed to be like a spoof on zombie movies, they get you to really care about the characters. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an actual zombie movie. Like you really I, do feel for like Simon, like Sean having to like shoot his mom. You know, <laughs> at the very least, you feel for Simon Pegg because like a lot of the other characters kind of suck in this. <laughs> yeah oh and ed ed's the worst best friend he's the worst friend ever he's yeah. terrible 
you know he's he's a freeloader you know he's does everything wrong at the wrong most perfectly wrong times you know and it's insanely sad that that the ending is him playing video games with right with a chained up ed zombie ed in the uh in the shed yeah but uh i think one of my one of my favorite lines like another favorite line that i have in this movie is obviously there's the we're coming to get you barbara you know that line and then there's um uh what's his name devs has the line of we're only here because of captain wow <laughs> he refers to sean as captain wow and i was like i don't know it's just the most british thing to say in that moment <laughs> I, one of my all-time favorite lines in this is as mr sloan always says there is no i in team but there is an i in pie and there's an i in meat pie and an anagram for of meat is team i don't know what he's talking about <laughs> <laughs> right then um what was that then like some, like some of the music in this obviously with the don't stop me now by queen is oh that is my song. don't stop me now with a final fight scene in a zombie movie if there's ever a zombie apocalypse i'm just gonna have don't stop me now constantly playing so that i can reach the epicness <laughs> my favorite is during that lucy davis is off to the side she's like dancing with the hits you yeah. know? <laughs> She's, she's like watching like you know, like I'm real curious and like intent but then she's also dancing with the music <laughs> all right and then when david is pointing the gun at simon Pegg's mom like shit gets so real between the characters that like yeah. you wouldn't even believe you were watching a comedy but you know like he's got a point because that's not your mom anymore it's like he screams like well it's definitely not she's absolutely gonna turn people into zombies if you don't shoot her <laughs> yeah but uh, what the oh, then there's the song, and it took me right back to high school when or to college when I heard it. Uh, Kerncraft 400 by Zombie Nation. It's the song playing when Sean's on the bus in the beginning. Yeah. And it is like the techno song of all techno songs, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's and then with Hot Fuzz. Oh, uh, I... Hot Fuzz is so much great about it. For some reason, I did not remember Hot Fuzz nearly as fondly as I remembered Shaun of the Dead. And upon rewatching, I'm like, why? Like, what reason was it for me to not think that this movie is at least close to on par with Shaun of the Dead? <laughs> yeah, I was right there with it. Like, I remember, I remember for the longest time being like, Hot Fuzz, fuck. It's just, you know, a bad follow up to Shaun of the Dead. Like, it's, but then, like, going back and watching, I was like, Nope, this movie's pretty great. <laughs> and I love Jim Broadbent in it. <laughs> Jim Broadbent's awesome. Yeah, then there's um, pretty much everybody else. There's um, Dalton. You yeah, know, Timothy, uh, Timothy Dalton. Dalton. He's great. I, like, I love how they're just like broadcasting the whole time. Like Every time he runs up to him, they're like, oh, he's definitely the bad guy. He's but he's a, the bad guy. But he's a red herring. <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Sort yeah. of. <laughs> Sort of. But even still, they they if you upon rewatching, if you look at everything, they totally telegraph who is the bad guy. Oh yeah, it's all there, and uh, especially when Sean like realizes that when he was chasing the one hooded character after uh, the florist gets the uh, shears shoved through her neck, but um, when he's chasing him, and all of a you sudden, you mean Nicholas, cut... not Sean? Oh yeah, well yeah, I'm thinking like Simon Trump, whatever. Either way, everyone knows who we're talking about. Yeah, Nicholas Angel is is chasing her, and uh. He rounds the hedge and she's like, 
like the person in the, in the hoodie is like the cloak is like a hundred yards ahead of where they should be. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> and then they do like the quick replay and they show like the person that actually was running there was right to the side. <laughs> yeah. And it was a new person running away. That's that I think so. That's why I think Hot Fuzz probably has the most rewatchability in terms of every time you watch it, you'll catch something new. Yeah. And where I think Shaun of the Dead is probably funnier. I don't think that it has that same, like the Easter eggs, the like hot fuzz. I could watch a hundred times and just every time I watch it, probably catch something new. Yeah. There's, um, I think the best is in the beginning, the way that they use um, Martin Freeman, Steve Coogan, and Bill Nye yeah. when they're talking to Nicholas about like how he's getting shipped off in this tiny sleepy ass town. Yeah. And they're like, Martin Freeman's like, you know, you would feel, wouldn't you feel better there? And then he's like, I want to escalate this. So then Steve Coogan comes in. He's like, we think you'd feel better there. He's like, I want to escalate this. Are you sure? You, you absolutely want to do this. Yes, I do. Okay, and he's like, come on in. And then they just open the door, and Bill Nye, he comes walking in. You know, he's like, Sean, we're, we don't like you. You're making us look bad. <laughs> you know, so, or Nicholas, we're make, you're making us look bad. So we're sending you off to wherever. <laughs> to and I sleep. love how they just use Bill Nye as, like, he's just a douche. And then he gets a great death scene in Sean of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, especially when he um when he's, like, clawing at the window, and all of a sudden you see him turn off the terrible music. And he's yeah. like, oh. <laughs> but, um. Of course, in this movie, in Hot Fuzz, there is the uh, NWA, which, as many fans of popular rap music would know, is a rap group. I won't say the name because I'm a white guy and I can't. But this, that card. It, right? And in this, it's the Neighborhood Watch Alliance, which yes. is Now, there's it's also for the greater good. For the greater good, but um, there's also some great cameos like. Uh, P.S. Taker, Piss Taker, played by Stephen Merchant. <laughs> There's also half the Harry Potter cast in this. Right. And there is one very important Game of Thrones character in this. The Hound. <laughs> I know. Well, the Hound and Walder Frey. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. And he's also in Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> well, I, there's a notable amount of overlap of Harry Potter characters and Game of Thrones characters as well. Right. And, you know, just general British actors, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, but then, um, what's his name? Walter Frey, uh, aka whatever his name is in um, Harry Potter. He has a bit of a bigger role in The World's End, but in this one, he's like, he's the guy, he's like the pikey version of it. He's like, he's the guy that you can't understand, so they have to yeah. have the old man translator cop, you know, because he speaks just like, like it. It's almost like, I know Austin Powers 3 is the worst Austin Powers, but the scene where, uh, where he's talking to his dad and they're like, oh, we should talk proper British. And they, they just d- delve into a whole new language. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then um, there's, uh, there's of course, the running gag in all three movies of the jumping over a fence yeah. in succession. This one, it's done perfectly by, in the first one, Sean does it. He jumps over the fence and it the fence falls over. Yeah. And in this one, Nicholas he's, Angel does it absolutely perfectly. He, he's and he, straight up doing some parkour over these right. fences. And then he trampolines at the end. <laughs> and then Nick Frost, he's like, all right. And just <laughs> he barrels right through it. And then uh, I think it's the same gag in the world's end is when uh, Gary King goes to do it, he trips like immediately over the first fence. <laughs> now, the, I think my favorite part about this movie is the 
Like, I think this movie, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost have the best chemistry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I really uh, like their that. their relationship is straight up heartwarming at parts. <laughs> yeah. It, it's almost like you could see it like it being a little bit more of the progression of the Sean and Ed relationship from Sean mm-hmm. to dad. Mm-hmm. And with, uh, you know, they Nick Frost loves his uh, movie references in this movie, his cop movies, and they bring up Point Break, which is Absolutely. one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> you even see a clip of it. You see they're shooting the gun in the air. Part. And then he does that same clip. <laughs> well, it's also the same thing they show Bad Boys when they show the camera panning, yeah. 360 pan. They also do that to Sean and uh, to a Nick and... Um, can't remember his character's name in this uh, nick frost's character's name in this. uh it's danny danny that's right nick and danny but um then of course there's like the even then there's the reference the other it's a more subtle reference but there's um the the town like playwright like the director yeah. or whatever and uh, his girlfriend is lucy punch she's an actress you know lucy's an actress and the character's an actress but um they're putting on a uh, a playing of uh, romeo and juliet it's an adaptation of Rome Juliet, but it's not an adaptation of the play. It's an adaptation of the movie yes. <laughs> as a play. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's like, that's even better because, you know, it's a British movie making that joke of an American remake. You know? <laughs> but yeah, then, of course, there's, you know, uh, Olivia Coleman, Olivia fucking Coleman. Oscar winner Olivia Coleman. The Queen several times over. She's played several versions of the Queen. She's in the crown for Christ's sake of the Queen. But um yeah, she and plays she's so lewd in this. She's so great in it though. She's yes. Doris. She's one of the cops, but everything she says is a double entendre. It's so good. <laughs> Just some sort of innuendo. It's so hilarious. And of course, obviously, we got Timothy Dalton and Skinner, and then I think my favorite, because I didn't even realize it was him until I watched it this time. Do you know who plays the priest in this movie? No. Belloc from Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and then I love the Andes. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Andes. Yeah. I, one of my favorite scenes is when they show the Andes leaving, and then one of the Andes, like, sticks his head back in real quick. <laughs> then there's the guy that plays the um, the twins. That's, like, the uh, the twin cops. Yeah, that, like always work the the uh, the front door of the precinct. One's like really sh- like put together, and the other one's like really straggly, like kind of like out of it. I think I've said everything I need to say about the. Uh, all of these movies are great. Uh, World's End is not actually World's End is good. Other two are great. <laughs> well, yeah. So I mean, with the World's End, because you know we obviously gave a whole bunch of time to the others, we can at least do a little bit to the World's End. But um, yeah. The World's End, it's it's such a weird movie because everybody, like even Simon Pegg, was starting to do more, I guess you'd call bigger, not better, but like just bigger movies at this point. Wasn't he in like the Star Trek movies at this point? Simon Pegg, we, I thought he was in, was he in the Mission Impossible movies? He was absolutely in Mission Impossible at this point, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, but, was um, in Sc- he was in Star Trek. Yeah, he was starting to be in Star Trek, like he's Scotty. You know, mm-hmm. and he's in all kinds of stuff. And he's in Ice Age. <laughs> right. Okay. He's but, in uh, Star Wars, right. The Clone Wars. Yeah. So, all right. So we have 2007 for him as Hot Fuzz. And then 
He's in, he did that movie Run Fat Boy Run, which was him. I remember seeing that. It was okay. How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. He's actually in Diary of the Dead. He's a newsreader. And he was in the first The, the Adventures of Tintin is awesome, and I feel like no one talks about it enough. Yeah, sure. Then he was in Chronicles of Narnia as a voice. He was in that movie Paul, which wasn't great. But yeah, Adventures of Tintin, Death of Death and Return of Superman, whatever that is. Uh, still a 17-minute thing. Yeah, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And the Fantastic Fear of Everything is actually pretty good. I remember watching that. That's, that's not bad. But... um. Yeah, then it's just a little stuff, and then he does Star Trek Into Darkness, then that World's End, then The World's End, you know, same year. So that might be a reason why no one saw The World's End, because everyone was seeing Star Trek Into Darkness, and nobody's like, paid attention to The World's End. I guarantee it came out around the same time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, everything in The World's End is so weird, because it's it's very cringy. Like, it's tough to watch at first, because you know what his character's deal is. His character's yeah. just a scumbag that's stuck in the high Wants school. to go back and do his legendary bar crawl. <laughs> yeah, which no one seems to give a shit about. Yeah. But, and all the, apparently all the bars are now, um, like, they're like, kind of, like, taken over, like, TGI Friday style. Like, they're all, they've all been taken over by the same corporation. And the gag with the first couple bars is that they literally look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. No, this movie definitely has, like, moments, and I you you get great directing still i would say the best editing directing out yeah. of all three of the movies but it, i feel like the characters are miscast like i felt like they wanted to take risks on the characters and i just don't think the risks really worked out i mean well they're all kind of the same character like all the all the other friends aside from gary are all kind of the same character i mean they're all like buttoned up businessmen kind of thing. They've made their money and they're successful, but they're, I think they're supposed to be that like bland, boring guy. And to stand that much out as a stark difference to Gary, who's completely like still stuck in like the nineties, like punk scene. Yeah. But I think the biggest miscasting here is Rosamund Pike. She's the love interest of Gary's, but it turns out she ends up with the other guy because Gary's a dick, but mm-hmm. she just, she's such a, nothing presence in this movie she she walks in the screen and it's almost like you can see like a shadow of where that character should be you know as opposed to someone who's actually playing it like olivia coleman or even the girl who plays um uh liz in shawn the dead you know it's yeah. like you remember those characters but rosamund pike i didn't even remember was in this movie at all until she showed up again yeah I, this movie is kind of forgettable I think it's absolutely forgettable. And that's the craziest thing because it's like the first two movies in this Cornetto trilogy were so wildly popular mm-hmm. that what the fuck happened that no one cares about this movie. It's the end of this quote unquote trilogy, you know, Pierce, I do find it funny that Pierce Brosnan shows up <laughs> for like one scene. Yeah. I think my favorite scene though, my favorite scene is probably the end when Bill Nighy does his voice cameo as the network, which is like the beings that these like these robots, not robots, have been taken over as. He's just this disembodied voice that ends up arguing with Gary King. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because eventually he just gives up. He's like, fuck yeah. it, we're not taking over because you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, the fact that that, like, I do, I agree that that's the standout scene in this movie. And... Again, all I can say about this movie is it's well put together, but the characters aren't really likable. And, like, the writing is definitely a step below the others. 
in this. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. The only thing like that I have like noted a quote wise is what the fuck does WTF mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um. But other than, yeah, other than that, like you said, yeah, it's it's definitely the most forgettable of all. Of I also like get back in your rocket and fuck off back to Legoland, you cunts. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a really good. One. That one made me laugh though. But, but you know, uh, I think you're probably getting that Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg are working on other things. Or yeah, it's it's definitely it's not quite an afterthought because you can see that style and effort's still there. Oh yeah, it's for sure. Like, it just got buried, I think. I, in terms of actual direction and stuff like that, I think that this movie is the best of the three. Like, yeah. in terms yeah. of the cuts, in terms of the visuals, it's it's the best. But yeah. in terms of the characters and the script, it's easily the worst. Yeah, and unfortunately, it, it takes the worst or the least interesting um, subject or genre to parody like who gives a shit about body center movies like they're never they're never any good you know it's like there there's like two of them that are famous and every other one's just stupid like and again i think this movie deserves slightly more credit than it gets like i feel like people should talk about it at least a little but yeah Yeah, like i in that regard it's underrated but it's also definitely the worst movie of the trilogy true true all right so that's probably enough about edgar wright He's pretty great. We agree. But I love Edgar Wright. <laughs> yeah. There are also uh, other directors that we uh, we do enjoy as well. So now I think we're going to talk about our top five uh, favorite directors. The point of Valentine's Month is to uh, is to show some love to people that we really enjoy in Hollywood. So our top fives are our way of showing love to more like there's only a couple weeks in February. So, and we love a lot of people in Hollywood and this is our way of showing love to as many people as we can. Yeah. We didn't want individual episodes just to be us listing people we love. (laughs) So we wanted to have a main subject and then we're going to talk about the also rants basically. So, all right, Mike, you got your list of directors there. I do. Why don't you give us your uh, your number five or her or whoever you want to talk? About. All right, so this is a bit of an up and comer. We brought him up in the episode, but Taika Waititi. Nice. I love to. And I mean, he's. I I guess up and comer isn't the right word for him because I he's mean, just I, getting bigger at this. Yeah, point, I think. But I love jo- Jojo Rabbit. Is so damn good. Um, Thor Ragnarok, it took a character from that was not very popular. I'd argue had the worst first two movies of the MCU. And he made them hilarious. Well, him and Chris Evans. uh, Chris Evans. Him. The other Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) Chris Hemsworth (laughs) made him hilarious. Um, He made him a much better character, I think. Uh. And he doesn't have a ton of directing credits yet, but I think uh, he's going to be great. He also directed a couple episodes of The Mandalorian. Yes, but one movie of his you absolutely have to see. It is on Netflix right now. It's called Hunt for the Wilder People. It's him and Sa- it's Sam Neill and uh, the kid from Deadpool 2. And they Taika Waititi has a little cameo in it as this preacher and he's fucking hilarious but the whole movie is absolutely phenomenal and Rachel House you may know her as Topaz in Thor Ragnarok Jeff Goldblum's number one 
many people may also know her as Moana's grandmother. Um, but she has one of my all-time favorite lines of any movie I've ever seen. And it's, this ain't no Chad Foster kid. <laughs> I also now, completely watch forgot. the movie to see why that's hilarious. <laughs> I almost completely forgot what we do in the shadows as well. Because I think that movie is so damn funny. That movie is so damn funny, but that TV show is better. <laughs> yeah, I love the TV show. Which that I think, TV yeah, show? I think he's still involved in the writing for the TV Yes, he is. Show. Yeah, it's him and um, Jim, uh, Jermaine Clement. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they uh, Taika Waititi's great. He's- You're gonna find that a lot of my list is kind of comedic directors because I think when you can take comedy and make it a great movie as well. Yeah, yeah. Most and now I'm looking most of mine. Most of mine's leans more serious. Um, probably because we talked about Mel, who's obviously the best comedic director ever. But um. I'm going to say with my number five, I fuck it. I'll go with, I don't necessarily have, I'm kind of like pulling them as I go, but I'll go with my number five, which is Harold Ramis, the later Harold Ramis. He, uh, he was phenomenal. And uh, he's obviously Egon in Ghostbusters as an actor, but um, Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day is his, you know, it's, um, he was he was amazing obviously but he's mostly known for being a writer it, a lot of his good stuff was uh, being a writer but he obviously directed caddyshack he directed national Lampoon's vacation directed Groundhog. he directed Day. a lot of the office great yeah unfortunately <laughs> directed multiplicity directed analyze this bedazzled is kind of an underrated movie um yeah and then of course there was year one in the office four episodes of the office but yeah harold ramis was great he was a legendary director and i i think he was uh, pretty awesome i was going to say jonathan landis but i'm more of a fan of ramus than i uh than i am of landis especially because landis got a gun i got a man killed on the set of the twilight zone <laughs> but that's a different story for people to google and be horrified by <laughs> but so mike who's your name before so i'm trying so i only have like two directors that i would consider legendary on this list i know more should be talked about but like i'm trying to focus more on directors that like I personally love and not that everyone's like, oh yeah, they're one of the greats. Yeah. But this is one of the people that I would say is one of the greats with Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay. Now, he's known more as an actor and probably as a producer, but he has the outlaw in his directing. He has uh, Pale Rider. He has The Rookie. He has Grand Torino. Grand Torino. I was getting there, Ross. I was getting there, Ross. (laughs) Get off my lawn. He has Mystic River, (laughs) Million Dollar Baby. And uh, just, I mean, in terms of, uh, he also has American Sniper and Sully. Uh, Didn't he also direct The Mule? He did. I didn't particularly like that one, though. The movie where he has a threesome? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you ever want to not watch movies again? Watch that scene. <laughs> It'll turn you off for a little while. <laughs> My personal favorite is Gran Torino. I, I do really enjoy that movie. Yeah, old racist white man learns to love again. But um, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but all but, all of his movies. I, I mean, he's a great director, but I I also equate like all of his movies as like grandpa movies. Yeah, they it's, are. And like it's like the movie equivalent of the History Channel. <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that. Now, American Sniper is a movie I comparable to a movie from a director that's going to be the next up on my list, where it's, I saw it once and I'm not sure I want to watch it again. It was great, but like, 
It's it's not something that like I enjoy. Like it's a great movie, but also I it makes me feel feelings that I just don't really want to feel. It's kind of tough to watch. It's it's yeah. kind of tough to watch. Yeah. A lot of those like modern movies about modern wars are kind of tough to watch. I mean, I'm not a fan of like war movies. Mm-hmm. Um like actual like American history or world history war movies, you know. But um like Full Metal Jacket's probably about as close as I get to actually liking a war movie. But um yeah, and then obviously I say Full Metal Jacket, but um Kubrick somehow is not on my list. That's what, so I there's going to be directors like Kubrick, Scorsese, stuff like that that aren't making my list. It's not because I completely forgot about Scorsese. I didn't even think of him. Holy shit. And it's not because I think that they're not great directors. It's because I kind of wanted to shine light on more directors that are more personal to me rather than directors go, yeah, he's amazing. Obviously. Yeah. And I didn't even think of Scorsese. Like I enjoy most of his movies, but for some reason he just didn't pop in my head. But um, Mm -hmm. my number four, I'm going to go with um, uh, Spike Lee. I do really like Spike Lee. I enjoy Spike. A lot of people hate Spike, but I do enjoy Spike just because his movies have such Spike Lee-ness to them. Like when you watch a Spike Lee movie, you know you're watching a Spike Lee movie. Do the Right Thing is one of my favorites. It's great. Black Klansman is one of my favorites of recently. Inside Man is phenomenal. Oh, I (laughs) love Inside Man. (laughs) I I think we got into that a little bit on our Denzel episode. Yep. Yeah, our man Denzel, and then of course, you know, there's Malcolm X, and then there's, you know, he's done so much. And then of course, there's just his like, his, uh, I think there were Nike ads when he did with Michael Jordan. I want to be like Mike, you know, those shoes, you know, yeah. from my childhood, those were great. But um, yeah, and I just love, I just love the man for the fact that he did not, he does not give a fuck about playing the Hollywood scheme, like the game. He is yeah. Spike Lee, and he will tell you if he's pissed off or not. Like, I think he's the one that lost his shit when, like, Green Book won. <laughs> like, he lost his fucking mind, and it was yeah. great. <laughs> but uh, somebody got my number three for you. All right. I'm going with Terry Gilliam. Okay. All right. Member of the Monty Python troupe. He directed Monty Python in the Holy Grail. Yep. He also directed 12 Monkeys. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, that's him. Holy shit, I forgot about that. Um, the Meaning of Life. He did uh, Brazil. He, uh, he did some of his later... He definitely has, like, ups and downs in his directing chops. But just because of... Between 12 Monkeys and Monty Python and the Holy Grail, he makes it for me. I love him. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's pretty great. Now uh, you don't he's not like one of the more well known in terms of his performances in terms in the Monty Python troupe. He was yeah, because he's in Holy Grail. He's the coconut guy, right? Yeah, he's yeah. Patsy. <laughs> it's only a model. <laughs> but <laughs> he's like, I I think I'll be fine, sir. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he's uh. Yeah, he's, he's pretty. He was uh, a more behind the screen presence for Monty Python, but yeah, yeah, he wasn't because Graham, what's his name? Um, the one that's the only one I think that's dead. Yeah, Graham, not Graham. He's Nash, the one that played King Arthur. Is it Graham he, Nash? Um, he played he played King Arthur and Brian, the two most like iconic Monty Python characters. Graham Chapman. Graham. Yeah. Chapman. Yeah. 
but um yeah he's he's good yeah 12 monkeys is such a great i think underrated movie like not many people and brad pitt in his limited role in that is one of my all-time like if i had to list my top 10 favorite movie characters he'd probably make it yeah we're we're probably gonna talk about brad a little bit more next week uh when we get into uh actors that we yeah he's absolutely gonna come up he's one of my favorites i love that guy but um yeah yeah terry gunn is pretty awesome but uh yeah, my number three is Paul Verhoeven. Just because that dude has made some of the most batshit insane movies, but they're also incredibly amazing movies like Robocop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers, Hollow Man. You know, all of those. That is a murderer's row run right there from 87 to 2000. And that man has just made his movies just have such a weird style to them, but they also have like this crazy, like kind of social commentary to them. Like Robocop especially has that ultra violence, but also has like the eighties commercialism, you know, jabs at it and all that showgirls is one of the funniest fucking movies ever made, even though it's not supposed to be. Funny. Yeah. But basic instinct is one of those weird. And I told you, like I told Mike at one point we should do an erotic thriller month. We should do Basic Instinct and Diabolique especially because Basic Instinct is fucking insane, but it's also really good. <laughs> it also has the, is it the most paused moment in movie history? The most paused moment in movie history. And right next to that is a sweaty Wayne Knight. <laughs> Just, ooh, you know, like he saw that up close. I was kind of like, I guess I'm sweating now. All right, Sharon, you got me. <laughs> All right. And Mike, so who's your number two? My number two is Russell McCulkey. I'm kidding. But say, wait, he, who? <laughs> the little little callback to earlier happy hour film episode. He directed Ricochet. <laughs> ah, that's right. I thought so. <laughs> I made the legend. <laughs> All right, my number two, I'm gonna do Steven Spielberg because he's just too big to leave off this kind of, of list. Of course, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jurassic Park, E.T., uh, if you want to get into his more serious, like, more, I, I'm not going to, I don't know if Schindler. serious is the right Schindler's word. List is a Schindler's fairly serious list. movie. <laughs> but I, I don't want to call Jurassic Park and E.T. not serious movies. Well, they're they're a, they're a different yeah. type of movie. But uh, Saving Private Schindler's Ryan. List is, yeah. Schindler's List is only a comedy if you're a Nazi. <laughs> That's but, what, Schindler's List is the movie that I was referring to when I brought up uh, American Sniper, where it's like, fantastic movie, don't want to watch it again. Yeah, you, you only need to see it <laughs> once. <laughs> it's one definitely one of those movies you only see, need to see it once. Yeah, Jurassic Park, firm, hard, number three favorite movie of all time for me i love i think, I think my jaws. wife's watching it in the other room <laughs> jaws jaws, jaws is so amazing my wife's other favorite movie you know but um yeah then of course indiana jones he, he did all the indies um yeah it's the man's got a track record he's definitely got a, a good resume when it comes to movies <laughs> and one of my favorite i mean i grew up with american rap battles of history the youtube channel <laughs> Epic rap battles of history. Okay. And one of it is Great Directors. Yeah. And it's Steven Spielberg versus there's like people that show up in it are like, uh, oh God, why can't I? Why am I blanking on all the names? Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. Uh, Quentin Tarantino shows up. Uh, 
who else shows up? Um, Stanley Kubrick shows up, and then Michael Bay shows up. <laughs> oh, Michael Bay. But what, one, uh, of, one of the lines <laughs> against Steven Spielberg is half of your billions should go to John Williams. That's true. That really is true. <laughs> they absolutely should. That's right. But uh, yeah, well, you just mentioned my number two, which is Quentin Tarantino. Um, He's I, another that, legendary one that I just, everyone loves him. So I was like, okay, I don't need to include him to give him recognition. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, it's not like our our podcast is going to have people be like, "Holy shit, Quentin Tarantino's up yeah. there!" But you know, but he's he's just legitimately responsible for some uh, some of my favorite movies. And, oh, for um, sure, for sure. Yeah, Inglorious Bastards is yeah, it's it's great. Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite movies of all time. You know, Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. There was a period while I was in college where Reservoir Dogs was on like a constant loop on my DVD. That's block. Reservoir Dogs, Inglorious Bastards, and Pulp Fiction would probably be my top three movies from him. Yeah, and then there's, you know, writing True Romance he did, and that was another college movie for me, and just the influence that he had on so many people, you know? Oh, for sure. And obviously, you know, Hateful Eight, and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ending sequence of that is still, like, one of my absolute favorite things to watch. Yeah, good old revisionist history, Quentin. Yeah, it's, uh, he's he's just great, and... (laughs) You know, Brad Pitt just decks the girl in the face with a can of dog food. So good. So good. But like Imagine yeah, being he, able to just throw a whole can of dog food at the Manson family. Right. It'd be great. <laughs> but um but yeah, like but Tarantino's got just his own style, his own take, his own everything, you know, regardless of his weirdly weird love affair with the N-word, you know, it's and his weird love affair with feet. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the foot fetish is one thing, but for a white guy of his stature to constantly want to pepper all of his movies with the N-word. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's definitely worse. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, that's weird. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so it's it's, number two is obviously my Quentin Tarantino, but uh, Mike, who's your number one? All right, so I am going with Richard Linklater. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I am a, so... I, there's a lot of movies from him that I really like. Of course, yeah, Dazed and Confused is probably his most well-known. It's a great one. Um, I really enjoy School of Rock. That's a movie I grew up with. Eh, it's okay. Um, Bad News Bears, the remake, was solid. Okay. And then uh, I, I did really enjoy Boyhood. And I absolutely loved everybody wants some which everyone called like the spiritual successor to dazed and confused i loved it it's one of my favorite movies of the last five years isn't that one uh what wyatt russell or something is like isn't he like the main character of that no it's uh <laughs> the guy's last name is actually uh jenner blake jenner but not related there's to, no relation yeah yeah like wyatt russell's in it though right I think, yeah, Wyatt Russell is in it. Yeah, that's for those who don't know Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's kid. He's, uh, he plays a, uh, a guy who's in his, like, late 20s who constantly just tries to fake his way into college so he can keep living the college life and smoke <laughs> weed and stuff. Nice. He, you also recognize him from 22 Jump Street as the quarterback. Right. Yeah, he's... Uh, and yeah, I that's... completely forgot to mention the uh, Before trilogy, which is a trilogy that... 
didn't get into the it's not nearly as epic as any of the trilogies we talked about in trilogy month but it's really good that's the one with like ethan hawk right yeah where he's in like everyone yeah it's before midnight before uh, it's before sunrise before sunset and before midnight right that's right and all of them are uh ethan hawk and julie delby yeah that's right um but yeah yeah, that's a good choice. It's I wouldn't have thought of it, but yeah, it's a good choice. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's my favorite director, but he's like my favorite director that isn't like a total household name that everyone points at as like, yeah, they're great. Yeah, I can see that. But uh well that goes to mine. Mine's kind of the opposite of that. I don't I don't know if he's a household name, but people definitely have seen his movies. Uh but it's David Fincher. David Finch is amazing. Uh, I was really debating putting him on my list too. Uh, fucking Seven is one of my favorite movies ever, and it's and Fight Club is right there too. It's it's so goddamn good. But he also did The Game. He did Panic Room. He Girl did, with the Dragon Tattoos, awesome. He did Zodiac, Benjamin Button, you know, Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, bunch of House of Cards episodes. He did Gone Girl, and he's done. I haven't watched it yet, but I haven't watched Mank. That's him. But then, of course, there is the Netflix series Mindhunter. I love Mindhunter. It is fucking great. My wife just finished it. Carrie just finished it. I'd seen it a while ago when it came out. I just I just finished it recently. It's so goddamn good. You know, so good. The adventure probably should have made my list thinking about it. But uh yeah, he's he's great. But um he's just he's just very loose top fives. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But he's he's also one of those dudes where like if you watch too much of his shit, like your life starts to turn into like a true crime like obsession. Yeah. Kind of like you get like real dark and obsessed with a lot of shit, you know. But mm-hmm. he's he's a great he's a great director. And yeah, he's he's absolutely right up there. Uh, I'd say for this, at least my number one, you know. I also had, you know, some honorable mentions. I also had Brian De Palma, I was thinking of, like he's pretty great. Um Robert Zemeckis, you know, Back to the Future. Those are some great movies. You know, Catherine Bigelow is pretty great too. But um, yeah, I couldn't really think of many women, you know, but Catherine Bigelow is pretty great. Penelope Spheris obviously did, you know, Downfall of Western Civilization, that documentary. And she also did Wayne's World in one and two. But, um, you know, there's a lot of good directors out there. And of course, you know, we got Hitchcock. You got Orson Welles. You got your Gonkeks of Cassavetes. You got all the legends that are out there. Francis Ford, you have. Coppola. Coppola, yeah, they didn't necessarily make the cut just simply because they're so big. It's pointless to even talk about them unless we're doing like a Hitchcock month, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I would say that's our it's a good shot. Did you have anybody else you want to mention, Mike? Um, I mean, there's there's so many great directors, and again, Mel Brooks would have and Edgar Wright both would have made my list if I didn't purposely exclude them because you know, we already talked about them. So what's the point of bringing yeah. them up again in a top five? Yeah, and of course, there's like Wes Craven and George Romero, who we already talked about yeah. like, in our horror month, and you know uh, what's his name, uh, Chris Columbus did Home Alone and all that, and <gasps> and my I don't particularly like Christopher Nolan, but. He should probably be mentioned. I mean, I think he's a pretentious ass, but his his, movie, his movies are well made. You know, he he does get up his own asshole a little bit, but it's his movies are well made. They're, he's a very well, he's a very good director. But you know, that's where personally I look at the guy and I go, "You're kind of a dick." 
you know it's like the the movie business is shifting towards especially in a pandemic when theaters are closed it's shifting towards online distribution you can't be against it if you want to keep your job you fucking twit another pretentious guy would, <laughs> would uh like i i actually absolutely hate the movie avatar oh, but cameron. yeah yeah james cameron you should probably be mentioned i, don't particularly... mention, I mentioned Catherine bigelow which is uh, arguably the better of the two yeah <laughs> of their their little pairing at one point i also want to mention kevin smith just i love kevin smith movies of course yeah kevin smith's pretty great his his directing is very interesting. His writing, on the other hand, has kind of gone downhill. But <laughs> those uh, those first few VOSC Universe movies, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, those are pretty legendary. But then after that, just becomes as the joke in Jay on Silent Bob Strikes Back is. That sounds like one ninety minute long gay joke. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, he's he's pretty good. We'll probably do our uh, Kevin Smith um, month because you know we're a fucking New Jersey podcast. We oh. And- for Terry Gilliam, I totally forgot to bring up the Fisher King, which we will get more into in. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that movie, too. I, I love that movie. It's Robin Williams and someone we will be talking about later this month. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about him next week. So yes. we might as well get into that. But before we do, why don't we, uh, Mike, why don't you tell people where you can find us on the internet? All right. So you can find us anywhere podcasts are distributed, especially Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook as Happy Hour Film Podcast. Please reach out to us. I mean, one of our fans who sent us the description of us from Family Guy had me cracking up this week. Uh, that was please, funny. please that was send us more stuff like that. We love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we can laugh at ourselves. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where you can find us. And of course, this valentine february we'll move on next week where we talk about another one of mike's picks where we talk about the legendary jeff bridges can't wait get yeah. to talk about iron man we're gonna talk about <laughs> iron man we're gonna talk about lebowski obviously can i talk about wild uh, what were the other fisher things? king fisher king <laughs> crazy heart crazy heart we'll probably talk about tron a little bit but uh yeah, so we're gonna get into uh, we're getting into legendary Jeff Bridges, and of course we're also gonna talk about some actors that we love too when we do that. Probably Hell or High Water too, just because of how much I enjoy that movie. Yeah, and I think that's got the uh, the only Chris we haven't talked about yet. That's yeah. got Chris Pine in it. <laughs> we haven't mentioned the Chris, that the the elusive Pine Chris, but um, yeah. So until that time when we meet again, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.